Welcome to the Marie Manucherry podcast. Over the last 30 years, it has been my joy to assist humanity in aligning with their magnificence so they may heal, discover their natural gifts, and communicate with loved ones living on the other side. May you also experience delight while we dance in the powerful, intuitive world of energy. Let's get going. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. If you want to leave a voicemail for this podcast, please visit energyintuitive.com or mariemanucherry.com, whichever works for you. And I want you to know I have some very cool classes coming up. I have an advanced course on the Shift Network. If you've never been to the Shift Network, I would highly recommend it, theshiftnetwork.com. They have a million people in their community and many, many faculty members. I happen to be one of them. And I'm teaching an advanced course on translating intuition, your multisensory ability. It's going to start sometime this month. It's going to run for 12 weeks. And if you feel you need the beginner portion of the course, you can also purchase that, which has been pre-recorded. I just finished teaching that class live. So you can go to energyintuitive.com and find out about that particular class. I'm very excited about it because I feel, I know that everyone can read energy, which is really what intuition is all about. It's just reading energy. But a lot of people get caught up in the translation part of it, which makes me so sad. It's like getting Reiki one and two, but not three, when you need Reiki three to actually move vast amounts of energy in a very profound, dynamic, highly uh, divine way. You need the Raku symbol to race through your body and move into the bodies of others. Well, learning to translate your intuition, which everyone can read energy, just ask any child who's been allowed to have some freedom in their thoughts they will tell you what's really going on in the world and they will be 100% accurate. So we're born, we're born being able to read energy. The translation part, because of our lovely brain, we have a gorgeous brain, right? A stunning, lovely brain gets in the way because you don't translate intuition through the mind. You have to learn to relax the mind and calm it, be kind and loving to yourself and allow yourself to move into that intuitive muscle that you're born with. So I hope you can join me for this 12 weeks. I teach the, all my classes live, by the way, unless you buy a digital download on my website. Um, and I like to teach them live because every audience is different. Every group of students is different. And so there's an energy about them that they share that can help steer the class in certain directions to make it be more successful in my opinion. So um, yeah. It's going to be a really cool, amazing class. It's on my website. Go check it out. And as we begin our time, I'm going to go to the phone lines because we have all these people who leave messages for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Questions, really. There's a lot of them. So it takes me a while to get through all of them. But um, I love it. It's joyful. Even if, you, even if you have to wait, please don't worry. The answer will be effective for what you need. Um, this is my way of giving back, um, is to provide free answers for people who have serious or necessary important questions that they would love to have answered. But before I do that, I just want to bring up something that I feel about this year, 2024. People like to make all kinds of predictions. Um, I could make them too, but I, I don't see the earth moving rapidly in its consciousness. I mean, it certainly can feel that way. And I certainly can have this incredible bird's eye view of the evolution of humanity. That's my dog, Charles, jumping on his chair. 
I need a bigger chair in here and I'm not sure how I'm going to get it through the door. The door's kind of narrow compared to some of the chairs I have. So he's sitting in this very small, cushiony dining chair, if you will. So, but what I do see for the human race is I see more people awakening and awakening means that you start to feel your energy. You start to have an awareness that's different than the human perception of life. It's more accurate. Intuition is a thousand times more accurate than the logical mind. And it's a, it's a weird feeling when it starts to happen because depending on how, you know, fantastic your awareness becomes, you can feel very alone in the world or different. And I don't think it feels lonely. It's just people aren't seeing the world the way you are seeing the world. And that's perfectly wonderful and okay. In fact, it's fantastic. I still recommend sharing it. You know, uh, I think we grow faster and more authentically when we express our truth rather than hiding who we are. And when we express our truth, and of course, none of you have to do anything I suggest, when we express our truth, not only is a beautiful heat wave of energy moving through the throat chakra, the most powerful vortex in the body, and then hitting that fifth layer of the auric field, which is called the divine plan or one's life purpose, kind of vibrating that field and making it glow so that you have hints on where to go, what to do next, what feels right, so you can discover more of your magnificence. I think people are waking up in faster amounts of numbers of awareness. I think this year will be the beginning of a string of acceleration into the human consciousness. And some people think like it has to have this global, you know, crash of consciousness in order for the world to evolve. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's, it's done by individual until we reach a certain point of individual consciousness, a tipping point, which could be millions of people or, you know, a billion people it doesn't even have to be half of the population, but it does have to be a significant number. And then it will just become normal and commonplace. But I think we're decades away from that. So for those of you who are waking up, welcome. Congratulations to your new awareness. May it enlighten you and inspire you and delight you because that's what it's meant to do. Okay, I'm going to go to the phone lines. Hi, Marie. This is Jen from Montana. I'm so excited for the opportunity to ask you a question. So thank you so much. I so appreciate everything that you do for humanity on the planet. So thank you. Um, my question is about my headaches. I've pretty much suffered from them my whole adult life. But in the past several years, they've gotten worse to the point where I'm relatively incapacitated for a good part of a day about once every couple months. So I'm curious about what might be the cause of them and what I can do to help relieve that a little bit. I've um, gone through a lot of changes in the last five years and I'm also way busier than I want to be. I'm sure those play roles and I'm just curious about the rest of it. And if there's a little bit of extra time, so curious about the number of spirit guides I have. I know it's not your favorite question, but I love the symbology behind it and who's surrounding me. So thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, thank you, Jen. I hope you're having a wonderful day too. So headaches are about blocking one's intuition. People have chronic headaches or migraines, cluster headaches, because just the occasional, like I get a headache maybe once or twice a year. It in fact, it'll last me a couple of days, but it's really minor in the back of my head. And then I finally take some Tylenol and it goes away. Um, or I could be just dehydrated. Who knows? 
But people who have significant headaches like yours, Jen, for long periods of time, it means that you, first of all, you're highly psychic and you're blocking your intuition. That's literally what it means. And, and, and so I would work on really exposing your intuition. Now, here's the beautiful truth about intuition. Your mind is not going to agree, period, with insight. In fact, to me, that's a very comforting kind of clarification when I'm getting intuition, where my brain's going, hmm, hmm, what are you talking about? What do you, what's that, you know? Uh, so you really need to work on separating, you know, what is mind made because the mind was only created to help us move through the, through the world, through logic. Like in order for me to make a podcast, I have to check my mic. I have to turn on lights. I have to put makeup on. <laughs> Um, I have to turn off my phone. I have to secure animals. There's a lot of things I have to do through my logical mind so that I won't be disturbed. Um, Charles is usually pretty good in here and I don't think people will mind a few barks from a dog. So he's always, he's usually in company. Intuition is very different. Like this morning, as I was getting ready to make a podcast, I was like, what well, should I make it this afternoon? Should I make it this evening? I do have a very full day. And I actually even heard last night, because I was going to make them late last night, in the morning. You'll enjoy it in the morning. So much better for you. So even when I woke up, my logical mind was still going, should I do it this afternoon? Should I do it this evening? And I had to keep going back to the intuitive feeling that I had, which was do it in the morning. So here I am, you know, 9 a.m. Pacific time recording a podcast. I know this sounds simple, but if you start to listen to your intuition, even the simple things in life, like when to record something or when to go travel, when to buy uh, an expensive purchase, when to hang out with friends, your life is just going to be a whole lot easier and a whole lot more fun. So if you could keep, because you're going to have to start comparing and contrasting the difference between the logical mind and the intuitive energy that actually comes from the second layer of your org field, which is called the emotional response system. And so you have to spend more time away from the brain. What happens when people overthink and analyze, they push energy from other organs into the brain. And then the brain gets exhausted and tired and worn out. And then we have headaches, like in your case. There are many organs below the blood-brain barrier that need those subatomic particles that people push unconsciously into their brain to help them analyze and process unnecessary information or unhealthy unhelpful information or just it's a complete waste of time actually 99% of the time for most of humanity this is what's been uh, holding back the evolutionary process of of the human race is this highly you know strong focus on logic when logic is really about situational things like making sure you eat the right food you put the right gas in your car you wake up at the right time but even waking up at the right time can be an intuitive experience because once you start running energy of wisdom and awareness in your body that everybody has but most people don't run it your body just naturally wakes up at the right time you eat at the right moment you do all the things at the right time you don't need a watch of course we all have phones now but you don't need watches or clocks um so that's your homework assignment is to jump into the deep pool of the psychic phenomena world, learn how to feel energy. If you already know how to do that, then spend more time focusing your awareness there because that's going to be critical and important. Okay. I hope that's helpful. And I hope you feel better soon. I truly do. Hi, my name is Desiree and I'm calling from Oakland, California. I have a question about blending families. 
Between my partner and I, there's a 12-year-old child and a six-year-old. We both have 50% custody. My partner and I have the dream of integrating our lives and homes and our children's get along well. However, the younger child is struggling with ADHD and emotional dysregulation. And oftentimes his behaviors are quite unsettling. We are unclear if everyone in our foursome will be able to thrive if we live together. Here is my question. Is it in my highest good for us all to live together? Thank you for any guidance. Uh, hi, Desiree. Yeah, I do think you are meant to li live together. And I really don't like these diagnoses that we give children, attention deficit disorder, and on and on and on with all different types of abbreviations. I think it's just stress and anxiety. I don't think there's anything wrong with the majority of the population of children on earth. I really don't. Um, I, I think that there can be parental experiences that create anxiety. I could think there could be school aspects that can create anxiety, but it's also kids overthinking and analyzing and looking at computer screens for a long two time and watching, not that your child is by chance, but watching violent videos. I mean, and I just mean this in general, how can we help the human race evolve and be kind to each other when children are endlessly watching violent videos? I'm sure your four-year-old is not doing that. So here's what I do when I work with kids, always. <laughs> I work on the parent. I mean, I work on the kid. Of course I do. But children heal very quickly, very fast. It's usually the perception of the parents that have to change their dynamic, change their perceptions, change the way they feel or connect or communicate with their children. I was one of those helicopter parents. I know. Maybe because my mother was hardly present. She had to raise five children on her own with no child support. So she worked constantly and always worried about finances. And so she really wasn't present with us. So I worked graveyard when I went back to work for many years so that I could be with my kids. My uh, children's father and I worked opposite shifts so that our children always had us around us. And I was one of those parents that in the playground, I'm running around hanging underneath them, you know, in case they fall off some sort of monkey bars or something. That's also not healthy. So, so we have to reevaluate these perceptions that we have. I would stop using attention deficit disorder, diagnosis, comments. The throat chakra is extremely powerful. When you project information out of the throat, you're making the situation stay frozen in that dynamic of reality. And reality can morph and change quickly if humans learn how to let go. And from my perception, Desiree, you are not good at letting go. And you have this child that's forcing you to look at life differently and to it's kind of making your life a little chaotic. <laughs> and that's actually a good thing. Children choose their parents and they even know the dynamic of a divorce before there's reincarnation and a repartening before there's reincarnation granted. You know, every, every being has free will and humans we know do not make a lot of decisions from their insight or their intuition or their powerful desires. They're making usually unhealthy decisions logically. Um, so how about you start doing this? What if I surrender and get out of the way instead of trying to control everything? Because you are a control freak in my opinion. And I hope you don't take that as a disrespect because I truly don't mean it, but you like to control inter internally and externally and I think this young person is trying to help you to let go of that. And then what if our children are happy and successful? One of my favorite things to do, and it's in my book, Intuitive Self-Healing, my mother did this to all of us when we were young, 
her spare time was in the evening. She would lay down with us at night and rub our hair. And she would say to each of us, um, and I'm just going to use it in your name, Desiree. Every day and every way, Desiree gets better and better and better. Desiree is a happy, healthy, cheerful girl, woman, person, being, whatever words people want to use. Desiree will always be successful. Desiree will always be successful. So what I did too is just rub my kid's head. I did this when they were little. They remember it. They've done it for their children. And you repeat each passage multiple times. And um, it, in my mind, you're kind of helping your child subconsciously have a different experience in life. And yeah, that's what, that's what I think. And those are my thoughts and perceptions, but I do think you guys are meant to live together. Okay. Hi, Marie. Uh, this is Ula from Portugal. I would, uh, my father died a month ago uh, in November 2023. Um, I was not with him because I live far away from him. Um, but what I felt was the days after he passed, uh, he was standing waving in front of me and uh, it's like he was not sure about how to move on feels like he's better now um but i would like your input and and some like if you have any uh, information on that thank you very much um hi ula i'm so sorry about your son's passing and i'm so grateful for your mediumship skills that you're able to see your beloved child the astral plane is where you witnessed him. So when people leave their bodies, when humans move their energy from the physical realm to the non-physical, many stop in the astral plane. So earth, the third dimension is right here. And then just outside of earth is another dimension bigger than earth called the astral plane. It's the fourth dimension. This is where most of our energy originally goes to before we cross over to the fifth dimension, which is the other side. So I don't think he was really confused. I think he was surprised that you could see him and he was grateful that you could see him. The astral plane, so he could have been, you know, possibly. The astral plane is a very busy psychic time-space reality. It's where we launch off from the human race to go visit the Akashic records. Many mediums rest their energy in the astral plane. And then when beings who have who live in the fifth dimension um, come to talk to a medium or a loved one who are not in the fourth, but in the fifth, they have to typically cross through the fourth dimension to hang out close to the third to have this conversation. So the astral plane is very, very busy. That's why some psychics in our history who couldn't really balance psychic ability and the earth um, because they had so much of their energy in the astral place because it's really huge. It moves very fast. It looks like my guides shared with me a long time ago, uh, 20 tiers of a very busy freeway. Let's say there's a hundred lanes and there are millions of different colored cars moving very fast on this very dynamic freeway. I love the astral plane. It's one of my favorite places. I don't have that feeling of busyness in it that I'm conscious of anyway, but he was surprised that you saw him. It, he had a moment where he went, dang, she was so much more than I thought she was. And why didn't I listen to her? That's what he thought. And so that's why that wave felt different or, uh, you know, it, it didn't feel like your, your son exactly. And you felt maybe a hesitation because he was taking in this new awareness that he had of you, not just because you could see him, but when energy starts to leave the human body and we're moving to the greater aspect of our soul to reconnect 
in our home, um, there is a huge awakening that's occurring anyway, very rapidly. People have just massive insight from their this current lifetime, previous lifetimes, their close family and friends lifetime. It's a ton of aha moments, which are very, very profound. And they have the gumption and the awareness and the consciousness to hold on to and kind of melt into the knowingness of the experience that they just had and all the experiences they've had throughout time. So he was having an experience for sure. He had already been contemplating his awareness and his lifetime. And then to see you, see him, it just took his breath away. And he was like, dang, gosh, she just was so much more than I thought she was. And I wish I'd listened to her. He blows you kisses. He wants me to tell you happy birthday. I don't know if you just had a birthday or going to have a birthday or, <laughs> um, and he loves you. And he says, thank you. And uh, he says, stay tuned. There'll be more visits, which is very exciting. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. And I'm going to go on to the next person. Hello, this is Sharon. I'm calling you or I'm talking to you from uh, Central Texas uh, and uh, Kyle, Texas. And uh, I wanted to ask you about my um, my guiltiest uh, feeling. And anyway, uh, my grandmother uh, was my my my. Uh, uh, I, I just adored her. She was my person in my life. And, uh, when she passed away, my, uh, she ended up in the hospital. I was, I visited her at home for a few times, but then she ended up in the hospital and I, I was, uh, probably 19 years old and I could not make myself go see her in the hospital. I was afraid of what I would see. And, uh, so I didn't go and it's my, it's my biggest regret. So just wondering if you could, uh, I don't know, speak on that on some level. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome, Sharon. I'm happy to speak about it. First of all, you know, I went to Texas several times because one of my kids went to Texas Tech for her grad degree, and that's in Lubbock. And, you know, I'm from the West Coast. I was a little like, what am I going to find in Texas? Plus, my kid was gluten-free. I thought I'm going to have to ship boxes of food to her while she was in college. But no, oh my gosh, Lubbock, Texas had gluten-free everything. I had the best gluten-free pizza I could possibly imagine when I'm there. And I loved, loved Texas. So <laughs> first of all, guilt is a mind-made emotion. It's not real. It's not an authentic emotion at all. It's mind-made. It's not authentic. So you have been spending years, you know, putting yourself through hell, basically. <laughs> hell and high water is what I'm hearing from overthinking and analyzing. This is a great example of what humans do to themselves that keep them away from their intuition and their psychic abilities and don't allow themselves to have the freedom and the fulfillment and the joys that they deserve. Not to mention just a deeper understanding of what's happening here on earth and what's happening within our own selves, which is again, also delicious and uh, phenomenal. So your grandmother knew you weren't gonna come. She's intuitive as are you, and I agree she was your person and you're so lucky to have a person if in your childhood because some people don't and then some people have many persons in their ch childhood which is fantastic and souls are making those decisions before they incarnate for really good reasons but 
Um, she says to me, the reason you think you know why you didn't show up, but that's not the reason why. It wasn't because you, you know, didn't want to see her dying. Um, I know that's what your mind told you, but your authentic self has told me and your grandmother has told me that you were afraid of your intuition because hospitals, and I know from personal experience, are areas of transformation, especially for psychic energy. It's a very busy psychic realm. You've got souls being born that are coming in. You have souls that are leaving. There's tons of angels and guides. There's archways that are open everywhere and archways are transformative aspects and moments of time that can really affect people exponentially. So you're afraid of your intuition. Your, your grandmother wasn't really in her body anyway. She started leaving her body pretty early in her hospitalization or even maybe before that. So she's not at all upset. Souls don't regret anything. They're taught not to do this, to regret or to feel guilty. Um, free will is the strongest law in all of the universes and it is greatly um, celebrated. So you've got to learn to let go of that. Just like one of our last callers, you need to learn to surrender and get out of the way. This is going to help your intuition exponentially. And people need to learn to manage their minds instead of making the mind run the show. Let the mind rest and be used for only logical purposes, not resolving a hurt from childhood. The brain doesn't even know how to do that at all. It doesn't have the capacity to do that. So that's a waste of time. That's why I think pure talk therapy, if you've never had therapy, I think it's important to have some form of therapy, but if you've had therapy before, just pure talk therapy, you know, rehashing the same thing over and over through the logical mind, not effective. Okay. Um, and grandma, you know, she just loves you and adores you and cherishes you. She felt like she was your mother, not your grandmother. And she was honored to have this relationship with you. And there are zero hard feelings. The thought never crossed her mind. She was closer to you at the time of her passing. Um, even though you weren't in the hospital, she flew to you immediately and was very happy to be around you and loves you dearly. All right. Thank you. Next person. Hi, Marie. This is Claire from Denver, Colorado. I was calling um, for your insight and then um, also suggestion in regards to a health um, situation that I'm going through. About um, two and a half years ago, I had uh, four herniated discs on my left side, um, which there was um, nerve pain down that left side. Um, and through like PT and um, an injection, I was able to kind of get over that. I would say it, it almost took a couple years for that to settle down. Um, and so then this past August, I um, started having pain in my right hip, so different side, um, and it progressed, uh, had an MRI and they found a herniated disc on that side. Um, I do have nerve pain all the way down um, to my foot. And that has just continually progressed um, and kind of uh, doesn't improve. And I did have an injection and that didn't help. Um, and so now I'm kind of in this place where uh, feeling uh, frustrated and um, overwhelmed. And so I would just really appreciate um, your thoughts. And I'm really looking forward to not being in pain anymore. Um, and thank you so much. 
Thank you, Claire. And I'm sorry that you've been in pain. Um, I'm glad you haven't had surgery yet. At least I don't think you have. Yeah. And the injections are cortisol steroids. So they decrease inflammation. Um, it's not really good for the adrenal glands or the kidneys, uh, you know, um, steroids, but when we're in acute pain or if we have an acute something going on, steroids can be life-changing and life-alterating, but they're temporary. They don't last forever. So, you know, chiropractors, but you have to find a good chiropractor. That means you have to interview people and, and all of those things. But chiropractors can reverse abruption of discs, of herniated disc, up to 98%. So that means if the nucleus has abrupted um, 98% or less, a chiropractor can reverse that. Or a rolfer. Um, I really believe in, you know, physical manipulation from that perspective before surgeries. I'm not against surgery. If, if other things aren't working out, then let's have a surgery. If, if you find the right surgeon and you like them and, and you feel that they're going to be effective for you. The hips overall are the right hip, since your pain is there, is about not moving forward. So the hips overall are about holding steady in kind of this contracted, stubborn energy. So you're the third person I'm recommending, and there's always themes to the podcast, always. That's why I like to teach live, because there's going to be a theme to the people who show up, and then I can provide some beautiful you know, assistance regarding that. So uh, stubbornness, not moving forward, holding back. The left-hand side where you had that original uh, abruption, uh, it's about not receiving. So that, and that's not unusual for people who don't let go, who don't surrender. Uh, they're not great at receiving because they're kind of in this stifled, fixed energy in the hips. And the lower back, which is a part of this whole area, is about overgiving, doing too much for others. So if indeed that's true for you, doing too much, not receiving, and not letting go. And, and that's why you've had so much um, issues and activation of the sciatic nerve, which the sciatic nerve is governed by the root chakra, and it's all about not letting go. <laughs> so your new favorite what if question is, what if I surrender and get out of the way? I would highly recommend you find a skilled chiropractor or a rolfer and try that before you have surgery because that could could make pain go away instantaneously and then lead to strengthening one of the things that i think needs to happen for humans as we chronologically changes i think we have to work out more i think we need to strengthen our muscles when we don't strengthen our muscles things start to push on each other or way deeper on other parts of our body. And so when, and you can't, of course, work out when you don't feel good or you have pain. But once you get to have that alleviated, then I think learning how to strengthen the abdominal muscles, the glute muscles, you know, creating flexibility in the hips, like maybe Pilates would be great afterwards or yoga. Those are very effective. And, and these are things that humans need to do all of our lifetime is, is to find ways to work in our body that so we can prevent surgeries or recover quicker from the surgeries. And I'm so happy the first one worked for you, but that's what I would recommend before you dive into a surgical um, answer, which of course can be effective, is to try something maybe you've never tried before, but you have to re research people. So I have friends in my life who are really good at picking out holistic practitioners and I'm really good at it too. So we help each other. 
um, we find rolfers or chiropractors and we tell each other about it so that if we have an injury or something happens to us, we know where to go. And it can take months. Holistic medicine is not like surgery where, I mean, typically where you go in and you do some maneuvers and there's instant, it's not like cortisol, instant recovery. It, it will improve. It will absolutely improve the majority of the time, but it's going to need some time to allow that to happen because to go from unhealth to health where there's no reversal could take some time, like six months. I once had some knee pain and, um, I went to a rolfer. I had the knee pain for a while. And with, with the first session, I had 50% improvement and I don't have knee pain at all. I don't see him any longer. You know, you don't have to see them forever, but I did see him for a long time. And then he actually sent me to a chiropractor, uh, after a while. And I saw that chiropractor for a little while as well. So try those, but investigate, find your perfect match and let go and learn to receive. Okay. Next caller. Hi, Marie. This is uh, Jenny from uh, Seattle, uh, Washington. And I have a question about my uh, older daughter. She is uh, 11 years old, almost 12. And uh, she uh, just started middle school. And uh, so we're having an adjustment. There's lots of drama and sadness. And uh, just kind of, uh, you know, dealing with uh, transitioning to being a teenager. So I wanted to know uh, your advice on how to handle that and what I can do, how to support her. Uh, and I've uh, had multiple sessions with you in the past. You've told me to always check in with you, um, you know, with myself uh, to make sure that I stay in my body and not give in into her, you know, drama and stuff. So I'm trying to do that, but I just want to make sure that, you know, you tune into her and tell me if there's anything else I can do to help her to, through this kind of challenging uh, time in her life. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Jenny. I do remember you. I actually see you every once in a while, which is really nice just out in the world because uh, we live in the same area. Um, yes, as we've talked before, your daughter is dramatic and now she's entered a playground where there, she has dramatic peers. So I would make a rule because she doesn't know how to stop the drama. Um, and it, it's challenging for her, but it can be disruptive for the family. I had the same role in my house with one of my um, daughters as well. I meant it for all of them, but there was really one that just brought more drama home than the rest. And I said, there's no drama in the house. I literally made a rule, you know, no, I, I don't have time for it. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the energy. Cause it's really just kind of, it, it's a makeup of stuff that's not even happening. Really, it's a, it's a negative perception about things that are happening. So that's what I would suggest is like no drama in the house or she gets five minutes of drama. Let's say if, if you want to, you know, uh, give give in a little, you get five minutes of drama and then we're done because it, it's it's really just an exaggeration of unfelt emotions. These are mind made emotions. They're not authentic in this case, in this case, in my opinion. All right. Thank you. Have a lovely day. Hi, Marie. My name is Kim from Minnesota. My husband of 28 years passed earlier this year, and I've been overwhelmed with grief. I wonder if you have any messages for me. Thank you. Hi, Kim. I'm so sorry that your spouse passed. Uh, I truly am 
He's funny, by the way. He's got a great sense of humor. I'm sure that's one of the things that you miss about him. Um, he, he says that, and I don't know for sure, right? But he says that there was some communication about his passing, like this wasn't just completely out of left field. Uh, and he's a little surprised by the amount of grief that you have for him. Maybe he didn't realize how much you loved him. But here's what I think. And, and grief is normal. Someone passes away, we're going to grieve. But you also haven't really allowed a lot of grief work to come forward in this lifetime. So his transition to the other side is your opportunity to get a lot of grief out of your body. And this happens to us from time to time. Certain situations happen in our life, just not just the passing of someone, but something that grief stricks us and makes us really sad. And if we give ourselves the opportunity to emote, because real grief is beautiful, it's healthy, it's stunning. And typically when people are in the real vibration of grief, they're not just grieving the thing their logical mind has told them about. They're grieving things from multiple lifetimes, you know, that span out through all of the the realms of, you know, creation. And so I want you to celebrate that grief, you know, like be okay with it, that it's not just about him. Be curious about that because you might get some insight about all the other things you're grieving about, even childhood things. Maybe you'll have awareness of past lives because when people raise their vibration and their consciousness, they can have access to their previous lifetimes. Um, he loves you. He's adore. He adores you. And he says to you, this is about you now, kid. This is about you. This is about you allowing your light to shine, really letting yourself enjoy your own lifetime. He doesn't want to say the words without me, you know, but he, he says, try to look at this as an adventure. It, it's, and I don't mean to compare what I'm going to use as comparison. I know it's not the same, but some parents, when their children go off to college, have such a terrible time, you know, finding their own joy and happiness without their kids. I think it's lovely that they've loved their kids that much and they've had so much fun with them. But it's important that we do, we figure out things that fulfill us individually that are not about other people. And that's what he's talking about. He goes, let it shine. Let your rocket blare. He goes, go do something different that you've never done before. He goes, you've got nothing to hold you back. And he doesn't tell me that he held you back. He tells me that you held yourself back by, you know, by being so focused on this relationship. So he loves you to pieces. He's funny. He's adorable. He's having a great time over there. He does miss you. He tells me, but he's excited for your new adventure and his, and he hopes that you actually let yourself have new adventures that you've never had before. And so that when you cross over, you both can talk about it. I hope that's helpful. And again, I'm sorry for your loss. Hi, Marie. My name's Anna. I live in Texas. Could you give me advice on how I could heal myself? I was diagnosed with Wagner's and heart failure. Interesting. And I have been doing dialysis going on five years. I do dialysis at home through my stomach is PD. Yes. Um, my legs and my ankles are weak and I have difficulty going upstairs. And if I fall, I need assistance to get up. So I was wondering what advice you would have for me. I do meditation for 20 minutes with white noise, but I don't know if it's working. Uh, thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. 
Thank you, Anna. I'm so sorry for your health conditions. Um, Wagner's is a genetic disease, if I remember correctly. Um, and thank you for meditating 20 minutes a day. And thank you for working so hard with dialysis and cardiac issues. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So as you can tell, and you have every reason to feel the way that you may feel, it's hard to get your energy elevated. And yet health and wellness and well-being are at a higher vibration than illness. And of course, when you're having to use, you know, um, subcutaneous dialysis, you know, and take medications for heart failure and having troubles going up and down the stairs, it's really hard to have one's energy elevated. You come from a family and genetically speaking in past lives, I'm actually going to do a tiny bit of past life work on you because it showed up. So when something shows up, I just do the work. And that's why I'm moving my fingers the way I am. I'm weaving and unweaving, if you will, parts of your auric field and doing some healing work in some past lives aspect, which can be very helpful for people. Um, so past life speaking in this lifetime speaking, there's a strong, which logically makes sense, relationship to victim consciousness. And when we stay in victim consciousness, it's really hard to change our reality, even though it's so, it's so hard because it's, it keeps being there, you know, it won't change. It won't leave. And we have this victim conscious pattern and then we keep, lowering our vibration and going to victim consciousness. So a lot of curious, positive, what if questions would be excellent for you. I'm just moving through multiple, multiple past lives right now and reweaving them. So I'll, I'll describe that past lives no longer exist, but they do have a hologram of the event until it's integrated in some ways. So most of the past lives that are not integrated are past lives that we didn't like. We have some issues healing about and whatever lifetime we're in, we're working on past lives, not our current lifetime. So you also are working on past lives in this lifetime, not this current lifetime yet. At least that's my perception for now. As we evolve, our truth changes. And there's a lot to know about the multisensory world and humanity's barely put their toe in into the water. So when I'm shifting and I would do it slightly different if, if I were in a private session, but we don't have to be in a private session right now. Um, I change the perceptions of the past lives. And so I'm just basically telling all these lifetimes, there's like 10 of them, um, a, a, about face reversal in victim consciousness and uh, asking them to reprogram the hologram so that they can stop vibrating their energy in this past victimization for logical reasons, like it will all make sense, but we have to stop feeling victimized no matter what, if we want our life to change, that's just the reality. Victimization creates a vibration that just creates more victimization, unfortunately. Um, so I'm reprogramming these holograms. And then if you could use positive, what if questions, what if I'm happy? What if my life is getting better and better with every breath I take? What if my body is incredible? Because it is anyway. I mean, it's incredible what the body can do. What if I am beyond the beyond? What if I'm aligning to the universe? What if I'm beginning to feel the freedom of my existence? Okay, so that's what I'm doing. And when you get into victim consciousness, which everyone has at least one area of their life of victim consciousness, everyone does, where it's just stuff doesn't work out the way they want it to. And then some people have many areas of their life to victim consciousness. So when we know what our area is, 
it's important that, especially when we feel our energy dropping down to that place of just feeling so incredibly victimized, that we mm, use positive what if questions or get present, uh, you know, get out of the way. Don't let our mind take over. Uh, then we start to eradicate that pattern, that familiar energy that we know how to dive into and sit in and kind of, uh, you know, this is just a metaphor, kind of rot our energy in there. Um, if we can do that, if we can break it up and stop it and actually begin to create a different perception, then that pattern begins to dissipate and working on past lives can be very effective. It takes about three weeks for all the holograms to change and you have 10. So maybe six weeks. Um, it could be three weeks. I'm not sure. I usually don't work on 10 at a time typically, but that's what showed up. And again, I'm very, very sorry. Positive what if questions. Remove your vibration out of victim consciousness. Let me know how it goes. Okay. I think I have time for one more. Hi, Marie. My name is Sharon. I want to tell you thank you. I think you are absolutely amazing. And what you're doing is incredible. I really resonate with you ever since I heard you on the first podcast. I'm going back through the podcast. I'm taking notes. I'm trying to figure out what my path is for how I want to open up this intuitive side of me more. Um, and so I was hoping for some guidance with that. I'm hoping that my guys are going to tell me something else um, now because I did get a healing touch session and they told me self-love and that's something I've been working on. And thank you so much for everything. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm doing what brings me joy. That's why I have the energy to answer questions from around the world, um, which also brings me enormous joy. Okay. So you have to start following your passion and, and people go, but I don't know what my passion is. It's about anything in the moment that makes you happy. That's what passion is. So obviously I'm doing something that brings me great passion, but in front of me are two paintings of herons, which are birds that take my breath away. Luckily, I live close to wetlands, so I, I see a blue heron daily uh, and cranes and eagles maybe a couple times a week, <laughs> depending on where I'm walking. I also have a green big plant in my room. I just moved it in here. I'm like, why isn't this in my room? I just got to figure out how to bring a favorite living room chair through the door where you can't take off the legs. Maybe I can open up the window. I don't know, because I want it in my room. So feeling passion about the simple things in life or just ordinary things around you leads you to the bigger purpose passion. You love the multi-sensory world. You love intuition. You like the psychic realm. I don't think people should ignore those things. I think they should even consider that for their own life path. The beautiful thing is, as you follow the yellow brick road of your joy, you are going to figure out what fulfills you, what sustains you, and what gives you the success that you want in your life personally and in all the other ways that humanity wants it. But you have to follow it. So, so many people think, well, no, I'm going to wait till that thing shows up, that divinity, that, you know, destiny, and then I'll be happy. It doesn't work that way. Even if someone's looking for a life partner or better health or more wealth, they have to follow the yellow brick road of joy because Wealth is at a high frequency. Incredible love is at a high vibration. You know, desires and our destiny are at a high frequency. So it's an everyday choice that you have to make. I, I love paper. I always have papers everywhere on so many desks. 
um, eventually I have to like throw things away or recycle them. So I, I have paper everywhere and I, I doodle on it. It makes me happy. I have crystals everywhere throughout my house <laughs> because they make me happy. This is a puffalite. It's one of my favorite stones. So you have to, everyone needs to kind of have a checklist of what brings them joy and then make sure that they surround themselves with these joyful things because it's going to lead to your destiny. The universe already knows what you're trying to discover about yourself. Falling in love with yourself is an excellent way to start because that makes people more joyful and happy and they feel less guilt and responsibility and frustration and, um, yeah, all of those typical mind-made words, they feel better about things. Uh, and thank you for listening to all the podcasts. Yeah, there's hundreds of them because um, I've been doing radio or I did radio for a very, very long time. And now we're into podcasts. Okay, you've got your homework. Get going. Thank you everyone for listening to the show. I also have classes on my own network happening in April. One is about vibration and manifesting, and one is about the journey of the souls. Those are live classes, um, and uh, I hope you can join me. Have a beautiful day. All my love to all of you. Bye-bye for now.